When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with, as I always call, Superstar Nick. Well, I'm glad to see you finally accepted the truth that my name is Nicholas. Hello, nice to meet you, everybody that's never met me before. Nick, pull your mic down over your mouth. How's that? (laughs) Less echoey. (laughs) Excellent. You're welcome. Anyways, so welcome back. It's time for another episode of Realistic Sustainability, and I am, as a new business owner, learning every single day. Things that I thought would take off fast are taking off slow and now starting to move. But one of my favorite things we're doing here at Dabble is the eSports division, Mm -hmm. which you got to experience, even though it's been a long time since you've played or have never played some of the games that you played. Yeah, that was interesting. (laughs) You and a partner of yours and a bunch of friends had come out and people from all over the state came to just lay heavy scoring on you. Yeah, so uh, for anyone that that knows these games, I played Mortal Kombat 11, and I played Rocket League. Rocket League is a game that I knew of, but I'd never played, and my my results show no different. I lost the first one 15 to one, and the second one 12 to one, which was not the worst scores we saw. There was because okay, so I keep everybody's stats. So the more they play, so later we want to do leagues. We've got some data on people, and of course I'm an engineer. I just like data, so mm-hmm. I keep everybody's scores and I keep everybody's stats. So the players who are pretty good at these games realized that and decided they were going to build their stats on some of our friends on a regular basis. And we oh. have friends that lost thirty-seven to nothing. Well, I didn't lose. Uh, that bad i didn't know it was possible to score 37 um, goals in five minutes but wow yeah it was all of a sudden um crazy scoring we had a lot of fun it was it's becoming very interesting and people from all over the state came to visit we had people from allen park and jackson these are these are towns that are an hour hour 20 minutes away just to play in them yeah i don't doubt it man like it was It was a lot of fun, but it just, it was, it's amazing to me. These, and these kids are so much younger than me too. I remember a time when I felt that I was formidable in video games, but nope, not these games. Uh, I don't really want to talk. I'm a little more, I'm a little more frustrated with the Mortal Kombat performance because I really expected to do okay because I played a number of Mortal Kombats and that, you know, in my day from the toasty all the way to the newer ones and I got destroyed. It's fun to play the games and it's nice to meet new people. We had a good time that night. We have more tournaments every month. We've added more games. We'll see who likes Halo and who likes Fortnite to add on to those two. But either way, it was a lot of fun and surprisingly like engaging. I uh, yeah. I mean, I think you had told me that one of the parents was ecstatic that their kid was there playing because they're actually being social and making friends. Yeah, they were trading gamer tags and all these things where they can actually play online. So this is like a once a month, twice a month scenario where not only they're going to do what they were doing to begin with, they're just going to do it with those people and be able to make those friends and be sociable at the same time. So I just wanted to bring that up because it was a lot of fun and we're starting to get new new things here at Dabble that, that are that are kind of new to me, but super fun to observe. I'm obviously not playing them. I'm, I'm doing the tracking, but it, it is definitely a lot of fun. So this week, we're going to kind of continue on with some of our discussions, not necessarily household things, but I want to have a discussion on why we don't seem to recycle. Recycling is one of those things, you see the recycle bins everywhere you go. You see discussions, billboards, all these things. But when you look at the stats, We're recycling less this year than we did last year and the year before that. We're continuously dwindling our recycling. And so if it's so important and everybody knows it and everybody's thinking about it, why are we recycling less? Oh, this is an easy one to unpack because the fact of the matter is it is so important, but everyone's not thinking about it. Um, A lot of people are, but I think at the end of the day, when you put in your list of priorities for the average homeowner or the average just person, 
living their life, taking priority, taking care of their kids, running their, their kids to school and back and stuff. Recycling's on the back burner. I mean, they, they think about it when they think about it or when when something needs to be replaced that maybe one of them, the, the man or his significant other, does or doesn't want to get a new one. Like, yes, they're buying a new car, but they just want to get rid of the old one or it's time to buy a new couch, but the old couch is still okay. And they find uses for things they don't want to get rid of. But the rest of it, unfortunately, <clears throat> I just don't think it's prevalent in people's minds. And I think that that's part of the culture that we want to try to influence and kind of shift into more so what we're talking about, because I, I think that that's a big portion of it. I also think that last year we were coming out of COVID and there was still a lot of things that weren't open, a lot of things that weren't available to us. So we, we probably utilized and recycled as much as we could, not necessarily out of the mean. It was like, like a happy accident. People were probably weren't even really planning on it. They just, you know, when you don't have so much stuff that is saturating your day-to-day life, you tend to focus more on the things you have. And 2020 and 2021 were really interesting, Michael. So they, they had a lot of influences in different parts of life that we, we won't know about for a long time. Well, and that's very true. But the, the reduction of how we do recycling, was it, it dates prior to that. Like we peaked right around 2000. We, we really okay. started a little bit in the 80s, pushed real hard in the 90s, peaked in the late 2000s, and then it just kind of been tapering off. And makes me wonder, and I don't have any data for what I'm about to say, but it makes me wonder if a lot of it is we think we're recycling, but when it once it leaves our hands, it's not getting recycled. Okay. So, you know, I have a recycle bin that goes to the road. And you've heard me say time and time again, that's practice recycling. We're not mm-hmm. actually recycling. A very, very tiny amount of the items that you're putting in there get recycled. They're going to sort it out first and go, okay, you didn't rinse any of these. Those are garbage. Those immediately go to the garbage. Then they're going to look and see what's left and say, okay, we need 1% of this kind of plastic. So this one piece can be recycled, the rest go in the trash. So even though we have a recycle bin, really one to five percent of that is actually getting recycled so maybe we're doing the actions but on the back side it's just not happening okay well in that case though that that and in those instances that may not be so much due to the consumer as it is due to the the poor choices of the recycling facilities or maybe poor education maybe people are putting things in the recycle bin with the intent of having it recycled but like food waste like pizza boxes they don't know that it's not recyclable they just assume it is because it's made of paper maybe the wrong things are getting mixed together and just we need a better education well and i don't think it's necessarily a lack of you know you're you were just saying maybe the the recycle places making bad choices i think they're going to make whatever financial choice is viable to them so if all this plastic pours in, but they only have a customer for a tiny portion of it, they're going to take the best of that tiny portion, turn it back into pellets and sell those pellets. But the rest of it has no use. They're making their money on the collection. So they just do, throw the rest away. I do believe that constitutes as a bad decision. Well, it, it could be a worse financial decision to recycle it all and, and sit on it, is what I'm saying. They can get uh, themselves in, in a bind as a business with all this extra stock with no place to get rid of it. I understand that, but I am not going to sit here and argue on behalf of the company that's not doing its job for their financial pocket. I'm not doing yeah. it. But I think that's possibly what's going on, is that we think we're recycling more than we are. People are constantly saying, oh, I put this in the recycle bin, or you're you're walking around a venue, there's always a recycle basket next to the trash basket with a little explanation of what goes in each. And when I look at that, I know aluminum will get recycled. It certainly will. Almost everything mm-hmm. else that goes in the other ones will not. That is security theater. It makes us feel good. We think we've done our part. And in that, in that case, it's not actually happening. We're practicing as a people, but industry isn't following along. And it can only be, be because the cost of the raw materials are still grossly lower than the cost of recycled materials. Yeah, no, I understand that. Just a quick fun stat is currently we as a world recycle about on average as the whole world when it comes to plastics, about 6.9% of our plastics. So 93, 6.9. <laughs> 93.1% of plastics are either burnt or buried. That's depressing and sad and really frustrating. And that's a number for all. Because you know with water bottles, it's around 20%. We know all these little stats, but this is all plastic materials. 93.1% of all plastic materials that make it a Tupperware container to a handle on a screwdriver, whatever it happens to be, 
they don't get recycled. Almost everything. Kids' toys. Kids' toys are almost 0% recycled. That actually... You you just, you buy it, you play with it, and you throw it away. Okay, so the the reseller in me, the guy who has spent a decade reselling pop culture toys, I'm surrounded with action figures. I got a He-Man right here. Finds that fiscally painful. The amount of money <laughs> that you could earn from selling that stuff to someone else that'll collect it or play with it or that wants to relive their childhood again is sickening. Because it, listen, we're, human beings are creatures of, of habit and we're, we're by, by nature, most of us don't like change. And I say that because you and I are both parts of a huge generation that has kept the classic gaming franchise alive and strong. Like there is, there are so many, I said franchise, I should have said market, but there are so many people that buy old stuff. Like, I mean, like I have a, you can't see it behind me, but well, maybe you can. I have a whole lit like stack of Godzilla figures that from when I was a little kid because they meant something to me. So I had to have them again. But that's not the only thing. Those are collectibles in a sense where if you find the right person, they'll throw it on a shelf like you've done. The other stuff, like the the plastic portable toilet for, for training kids, the, the high chairs, everything that has plastic, things that the, things that don't have those sentimental values. You have this little toy that when you're one years old, you pushed around like a car and it made a, a, a noise or those little lawnmowers with the balls that pop up and down. These are things that don't necessarily hold those sentimental values. You use it till the wheel falls off and it gets thrown away. Those don't get fixed they tend to not even get resold very often. Mm -hmm. It is most of our plastic. When you went through McDonald's and you got a Happy Meal and inside there was this random small plastic toy that came from the other side of the planet, that didn't get recycled. Pump your brakes, man. Those are hugely collectible. Like <laughs> you, you have no idea how to collect McDonald's stuff, but continue. But, I mean, most of, almost all of this stuff was not recycled. When we look at water bottles, I said I had said around 20%. We're doing much better these days at about 29%. You have 10% of all plastic bags get it recycled, but those are primarily programs to try to recycle them at the minimum amount of waste, not to reuse quite often. And a lot of that is enforced by several states, Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, New, New York, Oregon, and Hawaii, all banning bags in general, plastic bags. Straws, 9%. Where if they were aluminum, it could be 100%. But mm -hmm. plastics are, we're going to run out of space. Some. We're going to, everywhere you dig, there's going to be plastics because they're going to outlive us by fivefold or tenfold. These things, at, we're only recycling at 93%. Think of every plastic spoon out there, every, every ladle that is being made. At the quickest possible rate, I work with manufacturers. Tech time is a thing. How many can we punch out in this amount of time are never going away? Um, that is a number that I can't calculate. I that's a lot, Michael. Like if my if a plant that I, I go to is producing full vehicles at the rate of 80 vehicles per day, how many ladles can a company make in a day? How many spatulas can they make in a day? Well, there is a ton. Well, most of those are all plastic and they're not, it's a machine. They didn't really have staff. One person, it probably, it's not even like 3D printed. It probably gets put in one of those molds where they just inject the plastic. And once it cools enough to hold form, it comes out and it goes to the next booth, which paints the handle, stamps the name, the next booth, puts a little plastic ring around it with a little price tag. And it goes, I mean, I can't imagine that uh, there's even a person in that building. Right. So thousands are getting made every day. The materials being used, stamped, and sent all over the world. So that's just one of the things I'm, I'm looking at is I know we're supposed to be talking more about why we're not recycling or how we're not recycling, but understanding the the level in which we're not recycling, the amount of things, because I bet you there's a, a ton of things out there that we don't even necessarily think of when we think plastic. I just told you that you know an auto manufacturer can produce any, anywhere between 50 and 90 cars per hour. How many mm -hmm. pieces of plastic are in that vehicle? How many small brackets are in that dash? How many, how many knobs? Oh. 
Well, you got to figure the little pins that hold door pads on, that's all plastic. Um, mm-hmm. Thing like the outer coating of wiring harnesses is either plastic or it's rubber. Uh, there's there's tons of little parts in a vehicle that you don't consider. Heck, the inside of all your fans and all that stuff, a lot of times the different pieces that connect the tubing inside of your dash for like your vet work, that's all plastic. There's yeah. a lot of it. Yep. So I want to have that scope when we start talking about why we don't recycle. And it isn't, I don't believe it's necessarily us as as citizens or people i think the bigger problem is industry i agree wholeheartedly you know now there's things we can do and we and and we always talk about pushing on that bruised industry by not buying more so if you can get a spatula that serves your purpose for the next 30 years at goodwill do it don't you know don't get the cheap one at walmart don't get matter of fact chances are you're going to get a better one because it's you know it's produced with a little more material that's used, then you will a brand new one because they're, they're trying to reduce, 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 reduce to the point that the it barely functions as it's need. Well, so I have a lot to say about this. I'm going to try to put this as smoothly and as painlessly as I can. There was a point in industry where I would say probably coming out of the Great Depression, coming out of, coming out of World War II, where not all families had the financial means to buy all the things that made life convenient. So as time went on, different industries started booming and different companies started re- making things more cost effective for the consumer so they'd sell more. And when they did that, that increased the number of what I would say are fairly needless products on the market. And as time went on, they were, you know, what breeds what breeds good business competition. So there's more and more brands producing the same thing, or there's more brands getting things from the same supplier and just marking it a little lower so they can sell more. And so when you have this kind of stuff, when it becomes cheaper to go buy a new one to serve the purpose instead of getting the one you have fixed when it was something that was fixable, you start to accumulate a lot of stuff that you don't need. We've talked before about how you can go to Dollar Tree and buy that dollar spatula. We, we've talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. The part here's the part that makes me kind of sick to my stomach. I can go to the grocery store uptown, and the spatulas and all the utensils they have on their it's, all their kitchen stuffs on their baking aisle grossly inflated as far as price goes. They're five, six dollars, sometimes six ninety nine. And the reason that bothers me is I can go to I was just at Sam's Club. I can buy a three pack of steel serving spoons, a three pack of of like locking steel tongs. The three pack of serving spoons is five eighty eight. Mm-hmm. And recyclable, it's truly for three, recyclable. for three of them, and that's one piece of metal. It's not soldered together. It's not bonded or screwed together. It's just one piece of metal that was manufactured, stamped, you know, and finished. And there you go. And it you get three of them for five eighty eight. If I went to to the grocery store uptown, and we have the same grocery store in our and I, where we live, if if I go up there, I go in that aisle, I might be lucky to get one thing for five eighty eight, and it's made of plastic. Mm-hmm. I can't count the amount of can openers I have destroyed out of that aisle. Right. Well, because you you use them on a regular basis, where someone may use them occasionally, and plastic stuff has always seemed to be disposable. We've talked about that mentality. That I, I have a whole chapter in the book about that the age of disposability when we opened Mm -hmm. up trade markets to China and everything became very cheap and we quit replacing with good quality. We, we, we can buy cheap, let it break, buy another one. Everybody likes to shop. So it gives them that opportunity. What I want to constantly focus on is just making sure things don't get thrown away. And that when we purchase things, we purchase it. We try to purchase it for the last time, especially things that we don't care about like that. A spatula, a good spatula, it will flip things. Does it need to be like, do we need to buy one every two months for the match our decor or, or to do, you know, all these. Oh no. It, it literally just takes something and turns it over. If it does it and does it effectively, it should do it forever. And that's where I think we fall into these little traps where we got to buy all these things over and over and over again. I agree. But I also think that there is something where in people's minds, and you actually touched on this briefly with silverware a little while earlier today, people like things to match. And if it's your money, you're going to do what you're going to want to do with it. And and I don't, I, it's none of my business how to tell you how to live your life. But for me, I could care less of the things in my kitchen match. I, I really don't care. And so I buy things as I need them or as I want them. Or if I am at Goodwill and I find something that, even if I already have one, I find something that like, oh my God, I'd like to have another one. Spatulas? You, you have kids. Is there such thing as too many spatulas in a house? To me, there is because all you end up with is no one washing dishes. 
okay, how often do you like prepare big meals for lots of people? Me? That yeah. depends on what, what you call lots of people. It, my family can be considered. Now, I don't. Five have is not lots. Here. Anyone that considers five lots is wrong. <laughs> uh, maybe five or six times a year. Okay. Well, there's no such thing as too many spatulas, Michael. And same thing with spoons. Coming from the chef. Coming from someone who thinks it's absolutely a crime to use the same utensil in two different dishes at the same time. Yes. I have at least three spatulas in my house at any given time. Because if I'm um, making... Huh? And it makes good sense because it's part of your career. It's what you do. That's one of those things where you're not trying to push one taste into another item. And you treat food like an art. I I am a subpar to average cook. Okay. And well, let me. My family knows this. Then let me use some logic that a subpar to average cook can understand. If you have a spatula that's just a regular run of the spatula, whether you got it brand new or got it used, and it flips things like French toast and pancakes, great. And it flips things like, you know, grilled cheese, awesome. Good job. But if you try to make eggs with it and it's not thin enough to get under the eggs and it breaks your eggs, are you going to throw it away? No, you're not. But you're probably eventually going to see one that will work for eggs and buy the one for eggs. You now have two spatulas that do the same thing for two different purposes. Well, and I can give you that logic. I uh, I do have multiples of each, but it's because I won't get rid of them. Now, Jamie is starting to peel off some of them so they can come to dabble kind of thing. Or we're also doing a large garage sale at dabble for the during the may festivals here in duran and she's starting to box up some of that stuff to rehome it but the goal is is to make sure it doesn't get thrown in the future bin which is my new term for away or in the garbage because it, it, it it's your problem today but if you throw it in the future bin it's a problem for someone else in the future mm. and so we're trying to reduce that by making sure we can quote unquote rehome things. So we're starting to box up all this extra stuff that's been accumulated over the last few years so that when we do that here at Dabble, and if you're in the area, stop in because it's just going to be a big yard sale in the building during our Railroad Days Festival. That's where we'll be able to rehome some of these things. Well, I would like to put in my say on that. And if you have kitchen stuff for you to rehoming on first steps on anything before you decide to sell it to anyone else. Okay. Because there are some things that I do want. I want many. I want lots of spatulas. I want lots of ladles. You know how many times, and surprisingly, is a bigger number than I ever thought. I've done like a three or four course meal for Christmas at my own house or for like Easter, where I need one for a soup and one for a gravy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you have some utensils coming your way. I, I want to pick before I'm not, I don't just give me everything because I don't need, I have enough spoons to, I'm just saying that I think that having a few of each is not a bad thing, but also I, where I was trying to go with this before I went off of my rant is that when you go to Walmart and I, I, I name trap Walmart all the time because I do believe that they are uh, like one of the biggest, biggest, biggest problems we have in terms of sustainability. When you go into stores like Walmart, and you see a kitchen caddy or whatever the fancy term for it is. And it's a, it's, it spins and it's got, you know, 15 utensils and it comes with the utensils. So, it, you know, now, now you can buy it for like 30 bucks and you've got your, your fancy kitchen caddy made by whatever brand they're selling at that time with all your matching utensils. And you're all like super excited. You put it on your counter. Then you get rid of all your old stuff because you've made your home more efficient. You just created hundreds of years of waste in a landfill that you didn't need to create because now all your stuff matches. And then what happens when one of them undoubtedly breaks? Because it will. Okay, first thing about kitchens, all kitchen companies that make kitchen stuff don't make all things equally. Some things are amazing. Farberware makes an amazing Santoka. I've had one for, at this point, 15 years. It's awesome. But I've had a lot of other other stuff that's crap. Right. Well, and, and there's other ways to manage it. And, th and that's what I want to talk about is, yes, I, I just kind of plugged the Dabble yard sale event that we're having during the holiday. And first of all, thank you, Shaw Pharmacy here in town for sponsoring it. But we also have things like the free mom-to-mom -mom trade. Every town can do these things. All we're doing is creating a space where people can drop off all the things they don't want that has to do with kids. And other moms can come pick it up or dad can come pick up the things, clothes, shoes, toys. It is just a place for some to drop off and some to pick up and some to swap. We can trade things around the community and keep them out of the future, Ben. I think that's a great idea. I think clothes are a huge one. There's a number of reasons. One, we've discussed before this point, it felt like forever ago, but we've talked about the embodied energy of things like denim. And, and usually things that are denim are full of 
buttons and snaps and metal zippers and like it takes an immense amount of resources to produce those and kids outgrow them so fast. I mean, you have three kids. I have three kids. The kids outgrow clothes so ridiculously fast. So instead of throwing it away, I think rehoming it, you know, and one of these things would be an amazing, amazing opportunity to give it a second lease on life and to save some other people some money because they're not cheap. Clothes are expensive. Even if you buy all the cheap stuff, it's expensive. Yeah, fast fashion is, is expensive both from the pocketbook side and the environmental side. And if we can trade amongst the community, that's the way to go. Any of us, and if you're listening to this, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, any of us can find a space, put out a communication, and set up an event where people can just trade things back and forth. Dabble's doing several. So we did the Christmas one last year. Remember, we did the decor Christmas swap. People who wanted mm -hmm. to get rid of their Christmas stuff could drop it off. People were dropping off truckloads. By the end of the event, we had two tubs left. I decided to just throw them on a shelf, and we'll bring them back out next year when we do it again. We're having the mom-to-mom -mom swap. We'll have a back-to-school one where people can bring all their backpacks and paper and pencils and all these things for those who can't afford to purchase them. And it keeps them all out of the future bin. We're doing Thanksgiving decor swaps. We're doing costumes. Remember, Halloween costumes are insane. Oh. We're doing costume and uh, decor swaps for Halloween. Or one of my favorite things about the Thanksgiving one, I decided to go not only decor, but recipe swaps. Where people can bring their recipes that we can all take pictures of and take home and, and try something new. This is how you're telling me this now? <laughs> it's in the ad. Okay. <laughs> yes, we're doing a recipe swap. Another thing that helps each other around the community. Uh, and obviously, everybody knows that last year you did the Christmas Eve dinner for free for, for the community. But we're also doing a Thanksgiving Eve dinner here in Duran. These, it's these little things that we can do that keep things out of the future bin, and someone doesn't have to buy it. If they come in here and they're able to get a, a set of shoes, a backpack, some some jeans for their child, they, they don't have to go to Walmart for the fast fashion and have it wear out within the first year, or they have them, when they grow out of it, look and say, oh my goodness, these still have tags on them. How many times have we looked in a closet and the child has already grown out of the clothes that they never even wore once? Well, I agree. But even as an adult, you know, like, okay, so let's say you have a friend or someone in your family that, that's good. That's going to have a baby, right? Mm -hmm. Well, maternity clothes aren't cheap. And there's a lot of people that, that really can't afford to go buy a whole new wardrobe for six months out of their life just to pass them on to someone else. We were given stuff a long time ago, um, just given to us like bags of clothes that a lot of them were tags on maternity clothes because the, the lady was pregnant and she went and spent a ton of money and had her babies and never wore half the things she bought. Mm -hmm. And so we just rehomed them. We, we, we stuck them in the closet and then we had a friend of ours that got pregnant. So we just gave them to her. I mean, like it's, there's a lot of things where I think people overbuy. And they're and they end up, you know, costing themselves a lot of money they didn't need to. And then it did, you know, eventually when it gets to the future bin, which I think is way too nice of a way of saying the garbage, you gotta, you gotta come up with something <laughs> a little nastier. More, more, uh, it's more, tr it's true though. It's exactly what it is. We're just passing today's problem to tomorrow's youth. No, I, I, I'm not saying that you're, 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 you're wrong. I'm saying it sounds too nice. The future bin sounds like something really cool. <laughs> garbage of tomorrow it's garbage um but they're okay so the point i want to get at here is that industry isn't recycled not at a rate in which it needs to at this point we are putting you know trillions of tons of garbage back into this planet to sit there longer than humanity mm -hmm. so in order to deal with that the best way is for us to find other ways to recycle we are not necessarily recycling. Recycling means breaking that material down, turning it into a feedstock and selling it to someone who would use that feedstock. Mm -hmm. We can upcycle. We can reuse. We can create reductions of purchases through finding a use. I'm collecting tons of small plastic containers. As you know, Jamie even has a shirt that you know makes fun of my butter container addiction. The But I do that because it's almost time to plant plants again. And seedlings need something. So lucky for me, Ace here in town donates me a, a ton of things, especially for the Edible Landscape Project. And I can reuse these containers. I now have friends and family who bring me theirs so that I can plant in them. And once the plants get to a certain size, we transplant them. I wash them out and they're there for next year. If they're going to last 100 years, then perfect. 
I will just keep using them over and over and over again. And that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is look at recycling in more than one aspect. Yes, you can take this piece of this yogurt container and throw it in the bin. You can take this, what is it, Keurig, those K-cups, yeah. and throw it in that bin with the feeling that it might be recycled. Or if you're a gardener, then you start seeds in them. If you, you know, it, you find a use. And if you don't find a use, you find someone else that has a use. Or if it's something that has value still, or you feel it has value, then you do these yard sale things. You do these events. You do these giveaway events. You do something to rehome a product so someone else doesn't buy one. You know what works really good for starting seeds um, are the, okay, so when you're at like a big box store and you buy cupcakes or you buy like the cookies and the plastic like clamshells mm-hmm. and then, or um, like egg cartons, egg cartons. If you have the ones that have like the 12 segmented spots, if you have those clear plastic ones, you could fill all those with, you fill it with dirt, put seeds in there, you know, making sure it's nice and damp and close it. And then it gets a nice human environment. There's a lot of that stuff could be used for that. I actually, a lot of garbage could be used for that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's, you know, and like I said, I, I take a little heat for the amount of stuff I collect. And once we get organized here, I will start moving a lot of it from the home into, into the storage space of Dabble. And that will help quite a bit, but it's because I'm saving those things, those clamshells that like cookies come in or pies that are clear, that are the, the PVC clear PVC plastic mm-hmm. that if they sit in the sun for a long time, they might crack, but they're just, they're never going to go away. They're tiny greenhouses is exactly what they are. They they function and work like a small greenhouse. You lay down a wet paper towel, you lay your seeds out in there, you put another wet paper towel over the top, and you close it and set it in the sun. It helps produce some heat. The radiation can pass through it quite easily, and those seeds will start to grow. And those those are useful. Those are something that you can use for a purpose year over year over year if you take care of them and they don't go in into that bin they, they're not going into the future bin those are great ideas also I, I have a question for you at dabble for anyone that might have some stuff lying around if there are parents out there like at these mom to moms or in general that have extra school supplies lying around like like crafting things construction paper wooden tongue depressors i was calling popsicle sticks but you know what i mean glue sticks and and cotton balls and all this random things that you would stick in a drunk drawer you could bring that to the mom to mom or i bet you could dabble use that as a donation in some of the science projects they do so by the time this episode comes out the mom to mom will be over but we will have a back to school program coming up in august mm-hmm. so backpacks pencils pens all those things will find a home now if you're just kind of cleaning things out, yeah, I have friends that have left me bags of safeties or the clothespins, the wooden clothespins. A lot of that stuff, remember, I'm a science nerd and we love doing STEM classes. So if you have those kinds of supplies, yeah, we will use them. We will use them in a science class, a STEM class, an art class, anything we can, because I want to get the use out of them. If they sit in your attic until they rot, no one got the use out of them. You know, I still have to buy supplies to make catapults. If anybody saw the videos of kids shooting marshmallows into each other's mouths from their catapults that they had built, or the paper rockets that we did for pressure rockets outside, where they got to build a rocket, stomp on a pop bottle, make it fly. These things are, we try to build as many programs out of scraps as possible. And if people have them, we'll take them. I just want to make sure that I was right in my understanding, because I'd rather... If things do eventually go to the recycle bin or go to the garbage, I'd rather see the life get used out of it. I mean, because, I mean, the thing with art was already produced, it was already made. You know, mm-hmm. it already has all that embodied energy. And the one thing that's worse than a single use item is a single use item that was never used. So we want to make sure. That that, I know. I had some real tall smart guy told me that. <laughs> um, and I just, I think that it would be really beneficial to kind of, and it helps people clean up their houses. Yeah, it's we're coming up to spring cleaning. So don't just throw it into that future bin. Do not throw it away. There is no away. That away will haunt us another day. Find a home. I guarantee most of the stuff you were you are keeping for a reason that may have changed. Others may take. And there's there's uses. Go on to online posting boards. I have 25 butter containers. Anybody need them? You're going to get a gardener or a mechanic right off the bat wanting them for storage. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't just toss them. And and that's the the real point of this episode is to give us other ideas that are recycled because if if they're not going to do the recycling, and yes, 
any precious metals, okay? So copper, aluminum, these are all going to get recycled. Most steel with some degradation will, will get recycled. So those metals can go in a recycle bin. You can take your pop bottle or your pop cans back. They will become pop cans. Those are things that they recycle at a high level. Make sure they get in a recycle bin. Plastics, not necessarily. And I'm going to kind of go over real quick why. So you know how it has the recycle logo on there and there's a number inside that uh, recycle logo? Yep. Okay. Each one of those is a different kind of plastic. There's different, different chemical makeups of different kinds of plastics. Like PET is one we hear a lot of. Mm -hmm. And that is because it's one of the more popular ones. It's what we use for water bottles. And we've said it time and time again, when you go to recycle those, they downcycle. And then I've always used indoor outdoor carpet as the one thing that they make, but they do use it for other things. It's really just made for like soft, uh, soft drink, water, ketchup bottles, beer bottles that are plastic, anything that is plastic like that, peanut butter containers, uh, salad dressing bottles. And when they, re when they do recycle it, and they recycle it at about 20% rates, it's polar fleece or fibers, which we would call microplastics. So what you're telling me is instead of like melting it down and trying to reform it, there's so much de uh, degradation in the process. They just clean it and grind it all up into yeah. tiny little pieces. And then it probably goes into things that are like either stuffed with it or maybe goes into, um, I've noticed that they, they're starting to use microplastics a lot more in like playgrounds and stuff like that. Instead of having sand or dirt or they make these, um, these mats, like, I don't know, it's ground covering really that they, they put on the playground. That's made out of microplastics and rubbers. Well, and for these, for PET, it is, like I said, fleece, tote bags, some furniture, either primarily the fabric goes into the fabric because it's quote unquote stain, stain resistant. Mm -hmm. Carpet, part of that indoor outdoor carpet. They're also using a lot of that in standardized carpet, paneling, straps, stuff like that. They do try to make some things for like bottles and food containers, but very rarely do they meet the purity standards. Okay. So that's why, so those get recycled, but only for those industries, which are not nearly as robust as water bottles, which is why mm -hmm. we're only recycling it at a certain amount. So the number two, recycled number two is HDPE. And I can tell you the names, you know, it's a, it, but it doesn't matter. It's usually a chemical compound name, but these, this is more HD just means high density. And I think it's a polyethane, but this is your milk jugs, juice bottles, the thicker, you know, the the shampoo bottles, stuff like that. Now they do thin it out for trash bags, sometimes shopping bags, and even and I think the inside of cereal boxes, that liner is this also. And this was part of that whole 20% recycle. So those mm -hmm. two are pretty easy, but those things are recycled into more like laundry detergent bottles, other kinds of bottles, ink pens, floor tiles, drainage pipes. That's This is where you'll see this stuff become lumber, pretend okay. lumber, that plastic lumber, where they make benches or dog houses or picnic tables or fences. Okay, when it comes to when it comes to plastic, mm -hmm. I actually am pretty big advocate of like the flooring made out of it, and I like the flooring. I, I like the things they do, like the high density plastic, like that. If it's made out of recycled materials, I like that a lot. Well, then it sits there, hopefully for twenty, thirty, forty years. There are some concerns with certain plastic materials in high heat environments. So if you make it a deck and you make it a darker color, you can get warping or twisting uh, because it mm -hmm. just can't handle some of the. Uh, UV radiation can make it brittle. Mm -hmm. so there are some things that are concerns. Now, those are the two by far most in easiestly recycled. Now, when you're looking to buy things, look at these recycle thing, uh, recycle stamps. It will tell you how easy it is to be recycled. One and two are the easiest. And when we start recycling more in reality, they will be the first. Now, number three is PVC which we always tend to think of as our pipes because mm -hmm. we've we've started using more and more and more but this is also recycled into deck boards paneling mud flaps uh flooring speed bumps when they make a speed bump mats stuff like that so these are not recycled very often these are much harder to recycle creates a much more expensive material mm -hmm. and they're recycled closer to five and ten percent wow so low density pe is your squeeze bottles. So your, your, your ketchup squeeze bottles quite often could be made of this, but you start to see like your bread bags, frozen food that, that 
that uh, plastic that goes over the top of a of a TV dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, dry cleaning shopping are uh, the bags that cover clothes, shopping bags that quite often totes stuff like that. This stuff isn't recycled barely at all because, like you like you were saying, that low density almost makes it a gas when you. Yeah. Eat it. This is sometimes recycled into like trash bag liners, uh, compost bins. Uh, shipping envelopes, but at a very small, small scale. Well, I would assume it's a small scale because it, it breaks down so much that there's not a whole lot of material left. I assume that if it's if they're making bags out of it, the more knows how much they lost on the transition. Mm -hmm. And the recycled number five is polypropylene. Propylene. Mm -hmm. This is where they and they just slowly heat it up till it becomes a liquid and get it to a point in which it's more accepted by recyclers, but it's almost never purchased. This is stuff like your yogurt containers, um, the, like uh, the medicine bottles and caps in our straws. These are things that are almost never recycled or recycled at a very low level. And when they are recycled, it's things like battery cables, brooms, you have brush, you know, the brush bristles, the ice scrapers, that those kinds of plastics, the rakes, the bins, the bicycle racks, trays, stuff like that. Really kind of bums me out about the pill bottles and stuff because they have so many other uses. I mean, a bottle's a bottle. There's been lots of things that I like, like Tylenol bottles and stuff that I've saved and used for other things over the years because it, it's a great bottle. They got a good top, nice and secure. No reason to get rid of it, but yeah. go on. And they're, and they're almost never recycled. There's always a use. I love it when I see people who are at like garage sales and they're selling for a quarter, like a huge box of all their old little bottles. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting a little something out of it. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about putting buttons in that or whatever it happens to be. Baby food uh, jars. The, the, I've seen those at garage sales all the time. Yep. And a lot of times it's for people who are making their own food for their children, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like the perfect amount. There's always a use. And now... But the reason why I'm telling everybody this is so they can start looking at the plastics and buy the ones that they, if they're forced to buy something plastic or choosing to buy something plastic, we buy the right plastics. Mm -hmm. Because like styrofoam, for example, it's not a recyclable material. When they recycle styrofoam, about 98% of it gets gets uh, turned into a gas and put into the air. Well, that's good. That's what it we're is. looking for. <laughs> styrofoam is bad. It's a... Uh, carcinogen for humans mm -hmm. and it is not something that should be used if it can be avoided because it is not something that can be recycled and the few times it is recycled it's create it's compacted into high density things for like switch light plates or they'll try to make it back into egg cartons but it almost <sighs> never is used again personally i think styrofoam has one great great purpose and I, I like it when they grind it up in little tiny beads and make it into a bean bag, and they're awesome. Oh, into large bean bags? Yes, like the one that's in my house. It's super comfy, and I love it. <laughs> but And that, that doesn't actually have that inside. There's a big cushion made of fabric in there. But uh, my point is, though, is that, like, really, you can't you can't recycle a lot of different materials by, by like, heating them up and trying to break them back down into, you know, your base material so like things like styrofoam if you can't grind it up or break or like for me something i do with it that a lot of people don't realize you can do like when you buy something normally styrofoam you see as a insert to provide stability in a package you know whenever you buy something else mm -hmm. so i take the the base you know or the top whatever piece is like usually comes out in one that's round and has like structural stability and i will use that to make chocolates with because it, it's a base. So I just put it down. I poke little holes in it. And when I dip my chocolates, they, I put it in the hole. Chocolate, as it dries a little bit, you know, drips down. It allows me to... I get uses out of them. I like them. I'm not eating the styrofoam, mind you. And when it serves its purpose, eventually it does go to the garbage or wherever I can send it. But um, that's all I've ever found to really do with them. I have a pile currently at Dabble that I've been okay. hoarding because I'm building a sound room. And there's all these gaps in the walls and different places where I need to level the, the, the walls out. So I have all these pieces of styrofoam that I can build a layer over some of these thin walls before I even put the foam. Egg, it's like an egg carton foam over top of that. So if I black out the window on one side and use the styrofoam to cover the walls and then put the 
the good looking, if you will, egg carton foam. Does anybody notice that I have multiple layers? And then it's a better sound room. I have different densities. So what will happen is like the glass wall that you see when you were down there gaming, that will be blacked out. On the other side, we'll have cardboard on it first. Or, I'm sorry, styrofoam on it first, then cardboard to, to make to give a flat surface. And then we'll put the foam squares over it. So it'll mm -hmm. be three, three different densities beyond the glass that will disrupt audio at three different levels, help create the sound room, and we're doing it out of garbage. I support that. All I have to do is make sure on the out on the side that everybody sees that it looks normal. And that it's not is not a bad thing. That's how we're that's how we're creating Dabble Studios, which by the way, I think is started next week. Uh, so when when we create the sound room and if it works really well, it's kind of just made with garbage. It's forever home is being used. <laughs> so a couple more of the actually there's one more of the recycle numbers and this is probably the most confusing and the least helpful which is number seven and it's the miscellaneous category this could be anything from like bpa which is we found is a a hormone disruptor in humans to pla which i use when i 3d print which is plant-based so when you see seven it doesn't help you whatsoever because it could be something as innocuous as a pla or it could be something as dangerous as BPA. So I tend when it comes to, since I have 3D printers, mm -hmm. I tend to ignore any item with Recycle 7 on it. Good to know. Because it's primarily, I mean, for safety purposes and because, I mean, this can be anything from bulletproof materials. For a long time, they did large water bottles in this stuff uh, in, the, in a BPA format. It could be sunglasses, DVDs. These are, you know, the, the acrylics used for signage or nylon. You know, these are things that it, there's a, such a high level of mix. Mm -hmm. It's just easier to avoid. And I have a 3D printer. If I want one of those items, I'll make it. Then I know what material is made of. Well, that's that's good to know. And there's lots of things that, you know, if you want to make, just saying. Right. <laughs> feel free to hook your brother up with some G-Man. Just going we out do, there. We do. What, 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 you know, I print pretty consistently just about every day, primarily trinkets for here at Dabble. But we're starting to get other things that people want, and we'll slowly work our way through it. Plus, we're, we're going to have more 3D printers anyways because we're getting contracted to teach kids new technology like 3D print. Okay, so let's, let's bust some brass tacks here. How come you really haven't printed me a Godzilla? You think that would have been first on your list? <laughs> I just, just made that connection. I'm like, that man does not love me at all. I, well, I haven't printed you a Godzilla. I didn't print yeah. you, was it a Dragon Ball Z character yet? I have a listener who's Hold contacted on. me wanting uh, Five Nights at Freddy characters for their daughter that I need to print still. It's Godzilla, uh, it's Godzilla but I mean, Mike, it's Godzilla. <laughs> yes. I, what, was, what was Godzilla again broken down? It was like lizard whale or something you said um, last time? No, no, the Japanese word is Gojira. It's a combination of gorilla and whale. Gorilla and whale. All gorilla. right. Anyway, so I hope that when we're going through these things, people get a better understanding of the different kinds of plastics, the ones that are more likely to be recycled if we use them, the ones that we want to, and understand that recycling in our hands can be a little different than, than picking the right forever bin. We, we can give them new homes, forever homes, rehoming, all these fun terms that we like to say, and that is far better than picking the right bin because then we're holding its future in our hands. We're getting it to someone who will use it and not, not go buy another item. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds very anti-capitalist to give someone something so they won't buy something, but I'm really saying that. Give it away. Give it to someone. Or have a yard sale. Get a few more cents for what you were, per, you know, get some value back out of it, and someone will give you that money because there's value for them. Mm -hmm. There's a There's plenty of ways, especially if you're if you're living up by us where we have the winter seasons, when you start getting into spring and summer, all these outside events just spring up everywhere. And we can find them, we can get to them, and we can use those events to rehome a lot of the stuff. Well, then I think people, the obvious thing to do is to take part in these events. If you're local to Durand or if you feel like taking a day trip up to somewhere in Michigan, we'd love to see you. And we would love to have a little fun getting to know you. And if you just want to make the drive to tell us how much we suck, that's fine too. <laughs> not just a, a post on a Facebook message on electric vehicles. Yeah. I want to make sure they have conviction. 
So, and here's another thing. If you, let's say you just don't have the time. Well, I guarantee you have churches in the area. You have you have other people who will take those items and put them to good use. Let, let these organizations have them, the goodwills of the world, where they're going to take it and resell it, do what they're going to do. Find an organization, find a charity, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, someone who can use these items and just donate them. That's another option too. Then you're not using the time going through the process like we do. Well, yeah, because I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of people, and I'm that on top of being generous and charitable, when confronted with the notion of taking all the time to like to to list something online and to sell it, they'd rather just give it to someone who could use it. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, our neighbor was cleaning out the house uh, just recently, and last or just recently last fall, and just put things on the on the front easement, and this said free. And, you know, people could come and take it if they wanted it. She just wanted to help the community and didn't want to throw them away, mm-hmm. which I adore. So I think it's wonderful. Yeah. So just be mindful. Think about that. I'm not trying to be pushy or tell you what to do. I'm just trying to open the idea of options and understanding that the term recycle can mean so much more because we are not recycled. At least in the United States, we are our recycling totals are dropping year over year over year because industry is in this hurry up and use all the gas, hurry up and use all the oil. There's an overabundance of waste product that they use for for plastics. So that is far cheaper than recycled plastics. And we're probably another 10 to 20 years from really making oil and gas a secondary product. And so we have to do our part, which is buy less and keep it out of landfills. So that's all we had for you all this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, share it with a friend or on social media. I love it when it comes across my Facebook because they'll tag greening your life or something like that. And I see other people sharing realistic sustainability. Not only does it give us exposure, but it tells me you had some value in in what we said. So for all of you who are already sharing episodes, thank you so very much. If you want to support us in a different way, you can always become a monthly sustainer for as low as a dollar a month through our anchor hosting site, or you can go to greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast. Again, another way of supporting realistic sustainability is just by leaving a five-star review, hitting a heart, hitting a like, leaving a comment. The more activity these algorithms see, the more they start showing realistic sustainability on search engines. So I appreciate all of you who are already doing that. I've already seen some people who just click it all. And I know they're doing it just for us. They're not necessarily watching or listening to every single thing we do, but they are helping us. So thank you for those who are. And again, we only get together like this every week to get a little better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. We will see you next week. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.